This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. What does the future of work look like for you and your company? The way we work has been changed forever. Now an in-depth conversation about today's workplace. This is Back to Work. Getting back to this conversation, we started this week's worth of series about uh, Back to Work and how it's going with, uh, you know, for a lot of people heading back for the first time. We started the conversation on Monday talking about quiet quitting. And we're going to pick that up again because a lot of you had a lot of thoughts. Um, we're going to talk about that. Uh, if you, if you weren't there on Monday, quiet quitting essentially, um, well, it's all the rage because it became a big thing on social media. That's sort of where it took off. There was a TikTok video where a guy was talking about quiet quitting. It's not necessarily a new concept. It's just a new name for something that's always taken place, but it's catching on and it sounds like more and more people are adopting it. Basically, what it means is doing, um, I guess you could call it the minimum uh, in a way, like you you punch in when you're supposed to be there, you do the job while you're there, you punch out when your time is up, and that's it. You don't answer your phone, you don't check your emails. It's that going above and beyond concept doesn't happen anymore. Uh, adopting the hustle culture, as they say, isn't there. It's sort of like, okay, this is what you pay me to do, that's what I'm going to do, and nothing else. Um, a lot of people think, boy, if that person worked for me, that wouldn't be a good idea. But maybe it presents an opportunity to an employer or a manager. So let's find out about that. We are going to have a conversation with Melissa Nightingale, who is the co-founder of management training firm, Raw Signal Group. Um, Melissa, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for having me. So yeah, if you're an employer or if you're a manager or whatever, what do you need to know about quiet quitting? What might you be seeing in your employees and what will that mean to your operation? So I think one of the things that's really important for managers right now is to know which things matter within your organizations. What's the work that you need your people doing? If you're only getting the 40 hours that you're paying for, what is the work that you'd like them to be doing within that time frame? And I think for a lot of leaders, there's sort of the, the extra work and the spare work and the, the sort of extra cycles that happen day in, day out. Um, but they haven't necessarily done the work to pause and say, what are the, what are the actual, what's the work that we're paying this person to do? And do we sort of have a sense of when it's finished, when the day is done, are they able to clock out, and, and is that a problem? And if it's a problem, then is there work that that person needs to be doing that either either isn't happening within their workday, in which case, okay, let's have that conversation because that's a performance conversation, or is there work that the organization hasn't really well defined, in which case, like, that's the boss's job. It's not the yeah. employee's job in terms of getting that workflow to be an integrated part of that person's workday. I think you make such a good point because, I mean, you, you take a look at it. If, if, if there's an issue here, uh, it, it, it needs to be addressed one way or the other. Either, either the employee isn't doing it, as you say, or the fact is it's not possible to do what you're asking that employee to do. And it's not necessarily a bad thing for an employee to say, hey, listen, you're paying me 40 hours a week, and I'm going to give you my best for 40 hours a week. But after that... I can't help you, and and you need to take a look at that. I mean, that's a fair conversation, right? There's nothing wrong with that. It is a fair conversation, but I think for a lot of folks, like faced with a manager who either is ill-equipped or under-equipped or under-skilled, it's really hard to say to that person, hey, like, I, this doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, you're paying me for 40 hours, but there's 80 hours of work here. 
that is a conversation that you can have if the boss on the other side of the, the sort of table knows how to have that discussion. But I think so many folks who are stepping into leadership roles are really ill-equipped to have those conversations with their people. And then you end up in a spot where, you know, and I think the, the sort of trendy thing to call it is quiet quitting. But for a lot of folks, it's DIY management. It's like if my boss isn't yeah. going to tell me to sign off after 60 hours, I'm going to sign myself off after 60 hours. It seems kind of like, you know, we're at a point where, as it always comes down to, I think, when you're talking about an employee-employer relationship, it has to be a relationship. And if there's trust and respect and there's understanding, you're going to get what you want out of each other, right? But you get to a point where people are sort of, that communication isn't there. Like you say, the, the parameters aren't defined. I don't even know what you need me to do. I don't know what you're doing. You need to have that communication there to, to even know what you're working on, right? Yeah, and I think for a lot of folks, that you know, just to be really frank, I think it's been exacerbated over the last two years where a lot of folks were sent into a remote management situation but not given any of the tools to effectively yeah. manage folks remotely. And so they, they had people who were working either burning the midnight oil and didn't know about it or had folks who were, were sort of working on things that weren't necessarily the most important things. And so for a lot of bosses, the last two years have been sort of this, this moment where you needed your management skills to be really sharp and you haven't necessarily had that the whole way along. So if you're if if that's the position that you're in as a manager and you're starting to say, okay, wait a minute, I'm suddenly hearing from a bunch of my employees that, hey, don't call me after I leave the office because I'm not answering. I'll talk to you in the morning. If, if you're starting to see signs of this quiet quitting taking place at your workplace, what's the best course of action? I mean, I think for, for managers, sort of first and foremost, it's really about figuring out what is the what is the, the thing that you need your people doing during the day. And if you have folks who are consistently working after either that needs to be baked into the expectations and the assumptions of the job, listen, like there, are, there are folks where that is sort of part of the flow from the very beginning of the workflow. They say, you know, we need you to be available after hours, but we're going to pay you to be available after hours. That, that I think folks are, are generally fine with because it's really clear when you take that role what you've signed on for. Where I think folks get into a little bit of a stickier spot is on my way in the door, the organization says, well, we, ha you know, we respect work-life balance. We have all, you know, we, we sort of have all of these things under control. And then I get into the role and find that, no, my boss is calling me at three o'clock in the morning on an ongoing basis. Yeah. I think the, the bait and switch there is the problem. It's not a problem to have an organization where you need folks to be available after hours or you need folks to answer emails after hours. I think the, the issue is, one, am I getting paid for that time? And two, was that my expectation when I came in the door? Exactly. And uh, probably a good idea for an employer or a manager to get out in front of this. Don't wait, right, until employees are making this decision on their own. Sort of come to them and say, listen, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to establish. I don't want you working for free. But sort of come up with a plan. Get in front of it, right? Yes. And I think there's a there's a common sort of uh, conflation. There's a common sort of piece of confusion in your workforce, which is more hours equals better work, right? Like the right. more yeah. hours you're working, the higher quality that work is. And, and, you know, study after study, time and time again, when I look into folks who are working these, like, really sort of incredibly high workloads, what they find is that the emails that you're sending at 3 o'clock in the morning, the project plans that you're writing, they're not very high quality <laughs> because you're tired and you're sleepy and you're, like, you're, you're half awake over the keyboard while you're doing it. And so I think for a lot of bosses, it's just starting to separate out what is what does high-quality work look like and how do we create the conditions for folks to do that high-quality work 
and sleep at night. You know, and, and what it comes down to, and I've always found, and, I, and it probably doesn't work the same for all work environments. I mean, some things are done by the hour because we need you doing the same thing for eight hours, and that's how we yep. you know, analyze our production. But for a lot of places that I've worked in, it's sort of like, I'm going to pay you to do this job. I don't care if it takes you 15 minutes or it takes you eight hours. It takes you 10 hours. This is the job, and I trust you to do it, and I'm going to leave you to it. And that seems to be a really productive way to run a business to me. It's sort of treat people like a grown-up and they'll act like a grown-up. So it is, so long as you know what the outcomes are sure. that you're driving towards. Right, like you can absolutely have a workplace where where you've got folks have sort of more of that autonomy, more of the freedom that you're describing, and more of the ability to sort of set their own creativity within their work in terms of how it gets done. But the most important piece that a lot of workforces are missing is how will I know if we've done it? Right, like if you, if you tell me I've got sort of all of this creativity, <laughs> all of this freedom, then, then how as a boss are you measuring whether we've, we've done the things that we set out to do or whether I'm on a beach somewhere drinking martinis? Very good point. And that comes back to where we started, which is define the parameters. What are the responsibilities? And uh, then everybody at least knows the, the terms of engagement, right? That's, that's exactly it. And I think for a lot of bosses, like just in terms of sort of a moment of empathy for the folks who are in management spots today, so many folks, particularly over the last two years, have been pulled up into positions of management who haven't necessarily had an opportunity yeah. to do it before and who haven't necessarily gotten any training on, you know, we, we talk about, okay, you have to set clear goals for your people. But I think it's fair if folks say, well, I don't know how to do that, right? I, don't, I haven't gotten any training sure. on how to yeah. do that. Yeah, it's always better to ask. Melissa, thank you so much. Uh, great insight. I really appreciate your time.